0: Welcome to Money in the Air.
1: I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on world
2: X usa neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hello, welcome back to Money in the Air, the neighboring rights podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. And today, Andrew, Tanya, and I are going to talk about, oh, definitions and jargon and words and initials and all the things that stop the conversation and stop the learning because you don't know what it means? I think it's good to start with
1: CMO.
2: So that's the acronym
1: that stands for Collective Management Organization. And in this business, they're also often referred to as collectives or societies. It all means the same thing. It is it is essentially a society. So PPL is a CMO, GVL, AIE, Sun Exchange, etc., etc.
2: I've heard the U.S. people talk about CMOs as PROs and of course performing rights organizations we talk about on the publishing side so I think they're just confusing the issue but it is what it is that's an excellent point yeah PRO is
1: I would say strictly for publishing but then CMOs are often referred to as PROs so you can imagine if you're like a self-administering musician and you're just like it just makes your mind get a bit blown you know absolutely right yeah
0: Well, as our resident U.S. (laughs) representative, I always differentiate between CMO and PRO. CMO is Collective Management Organization. We just only have Sound Exchange here in the U.S., but PRO is Performing Rights Organization. We should not confuse the two. Performing Rights Organization corresponds to your performance rights on the music composition side.
2: There it is. We have made rules and IP. Tell the people what IP is. Yeah, so that
1: can cause confusion because people often think you're talking about intellectual property, but in neighboring rights, when you ask your account manager at PPL, for example, like, hey, what's my IP? That's meaning international picture. Where are you registered around the world at all the different CMOs? Do you have a conflict? Where is the conflict? For example, a GBL and PPL both collecting in Germany for you, therefore creating a conflict. I talk about IP quite a lot. And then that leads nicely into IPD, International Performer Database. Most CMOs have access to the IPD. The International Performer Database. You submit a new registration as a representative on behalf of a the musician, they'll log on to the database and they'll just check, you know, is this person already affiliated with PPL or, or actually they have a worldwide you know sound exchange mandate. So let's rectify that or clean up the conflicts. So, yeah, IP and IPD are often in the same sentence. And then you'll hear IPN, International Performer Number, and every performer has one of those as soon as they're affiliated with at least one cmo you'll get a local id so at ppl you get your ppl performer number and in addition you'll have your ipn you're like your international performer number and all the cmos will be able to see that and it helps avoid duplicates because you can imagine lots of musicians share the same name by looking at the ipn as well as dates of birth they you know you can it's easy to filter down results
2: and the ipn will be the same all over the world you only get the one right? Yes in
1: theory in theory I have experienced just a handful of times where there's multiple IPMs and it was just like a clerical error and it's usually when two performers share the same name and even the same birth date but uh, yeah in theory one IPM worldwide.
2: I've seen multiples when somebody registers in one name like if Jim instead of James because that's how they're known professionally forgot, and 10 years later, re-register as James. And now all of a sudden they have two accounts, two numbers, and a lot of admin to get it rectified.
1: That's a great point. Yeah, I've experienced that as well. Yeah, it's when you're going by an alias, but you have your legal name as otherwise. Yeah, but you can clean it up for sure, but it does take a lot of time and admin, and it helps if you have a rep. Because that's something a rep will do on your behalf, like clean up the duplicates around the world.
2: Absolutely. Relying on it. (laughs) It's always my recommendation. Then there are other things that we talk about, like ISRC. Yeah, I mean, that is like the holy grail
1: for metadata. So that means international standard recording code. And it's uh, 12 digits long and in theory every recording on the planet should have one so if you remaster it remix a track there in theory should be a new isrc for that yeah it's needed in rights holder
0: and i'll add to that with i every isrc should be linked to their corresponding iswc which is the international work standard code and that is the code for the music composition so that's the social security number for the music composition that should be linked to the ISRC and there would lie a perfect match often doesn't but it's the way for every single composition to be identified and every single recording to be identified as well
2: I have seen artists who have taken their recordings back or got their recordings back from the label and have given their recordings new ISRC numbers when they release it themselves. But they don't have to do that, do they? They can release it themselves using the old ISRCs. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, definitely. But does it matter if they give it new ones because it's a new
1: release? No, it doesn't matter. But um, I think it makes sense to stick with the original ISRC just to ensure that income flows to the right rights holder, the right recording. Because quite often, you know, for example, MJ's Thriller, there's like 100 ISRCs for Thriller. Because to be fair, there have been... Reissues, remasters, remixes, people take on the rights over the years. And it's just more work, I suppose, for everyone to claim all of them. So I always try, yeah, I advise, stick to the original ISRC.
2: I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think they should have new ISRCs with their own prefix. So it is clear that they own it and nobody can confuse it by going back to the original label.
1: The first two characters in an ISRC is the country code. So, you know, US or GB or DE for Germany. And then the following three characters are usually letters. And that's usually the record label or the rights holders initials. Or And, yeah, it would help things if, you know, if you're a small label and your identifier is, for example, UK, SHH, then it's just easier to clarify and, you know, explain to someone, you know, this is my label's identifier. This this is definitely my ISRC. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that. I think um, just because... Like with Gina, who's not here today, we, we deal with so many ISRCs that we, it's, for us, it makes things easier when, you know, you're just transferring a back of ISRCs from one rights holder to another. Okay, cool. And when do you need a UPC? Ah, UPC. So again, most rights holder CMOs require this. What so is it? Yes. What is it? A universal product code? Is that the barcode? Um, yes, exactly. So the UPC is the Universal Product Code, and that is the barcode. Every digital release, whether it's a single, an EP, an album, will have a UPC. Your digital distributor can provide you with one. Usually, it's an uh, extra charge, but not much. I put my band's uh, material out through CD Baby, and I think it's like five or ten dollars to get the UPC. And you don't have to do that, but it's it's worthwhile because at certain CMOS, you need that. You know, it's like a mandatory section in the metadata. Is that per
2: track or per album or per EP or whatever?
1: Yeah, per track. So it's for each line line item. So it's the track title, the duration, the rights holder, the genre, etc. And then UPC.
0: The ISRC is the unique fingerprint for every recording. But you can put that recording in a single release or you put it in an album or a compilation. Each one of those three releases of the same recording is going to have different UPC codes to differentiate between each different release. The ISRC pretty much should stay the same.
2: Ah, that makes sense. Thank you. Okay, so I've got two more for you. One is NR, neighboring rights. Is that always going to be neighboring rights? Do we have to even worry about that?
0: Yes, actually, because to call something neighboring rights means that a specific country is collecting on the entirety of neighboring rights, and that means on terrestrial broadcast, it means outside of digital platforms, with digital platforms, included non-interactive streaming. Here in the U.S., we don't have neighboring rights technically because we don't collect off of broadcast here, terrestrial broadcasts. So we don't collect from radio stations, from television, from anything like that. It's strictly from digital satellite radio.
2: So That brings me to the next one. Do you collect ER, equitable remuneration? In Europe, it's sometimes called, or often called equitable remuneration. And in the US, Mm. I've heard it called RR, related rights. Is that familiar to you? I've heard of related rights. Yeah, I've heard
1: heard of related rights. At least uh, I know with PPL in the UK, when if you represent a performer that's passed away, um, they like to see that somewhere in their will, uh, very explicitly, like, you know, my equitable remuneration will be transferred to and then they name the heir. So um, I think it's worth noting that, even though, again, in the US, it's not really something you talk about in the UK, they, they need to see that or something close to the effect.
2: And on the member section of the IFR website, we have that language that you can either cut and paste into a will if you're drafting it for the first time, or if you, someone already has a will, you, ha- you can take the language for a codicil and just do an addendum to the will. That's a really good point. And I think within the will, you can call it equitable remuneration or neighboring rights, and it'll still be valid. So remember, if you want to see this glossary, you want the language for your will or your codicil? Go to www.ifar.co.uk and become a member. And if you forget, you can ask us what I just said. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye, guys.